When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, welcome in Mackie and Judd, and it's Action Movie Rewind Friday, gentlemen. Roadhouse. We're going to dive into one of Judd's all-time favorite movies here. Uh, and also, the Twins made a bold move on Juneteenth today, which we'll get to. But Federated Mutual Insurance Company just wants to express their gratitude for one thing that remains true. Your American spirit, local business owners. Thank you to our medical professionals, our rescue workers, and all of your service. And also, thanks to our local businesses. You are our community partners, our neighbors, our families, our friends. And this has been one of the craziest 90-day stretches in uh, probably American history, quite frankly. And when you need Federated as a business owner, Federated is here to help with trusted resources at federatedinsurance.com. You can also call your local marketing representative to access trusted resources you may need. At Federated Mutual Insurance Company, it's our business to protect yours. Thank you to Federated for powering Mackie and Judd. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. All right, welcome into the show. It's Mackie and Judd here. And, uh, Judd, we were all set to maybe even kick off the show with Action Movie Rewind today. Mm-hmm. And then the Twins sent a press release out this morning on Juneteenth, mind you. Right. And the press release reads as this. The Minnesota Twins today released the following statement regarding the removal of the Calvin Griffith statue at Target Field. Calvin Griffith, longtime owner of the Minnesota Twins. Quote, when we opened Target Field in 2010 in conjunction with our 50th season in Minnesota, we were excited and proud to welcome fans to our forever ballpark. As such, we wanted to pay permanent tribute to those figures and moments that helped shape the first half century of Minnesota Twins baseball, including a statue of Calvin Griffith, our former owner and the man responsible for moving the franchise to Minnesota in 1961. While we acknowledge the prominent role Calvin Griffith played in our history, we cannot remain silent and continue ignoring the racist comments he made in Wasika in 1978. His disparaging words displayed a blatant intolerance and disregard for the black community that the uh, antithesis of what the twins stand for and value. Our decision to memorialize Calvin Griffin with a statue reflects an ignorance on our part of systemic racism present in 1978, 2010, and today. We apologize for our failure to adequately recognize how the statue was viewed and the pain it caused for many people, both inside the Twins organization and across Twins territory. We cannot remove 
Calvin Griffith from the history of the Twins, but we believe the removal of this statue is an important and necessary step in our ongoing commitment to provide a target field experience where every fan and employee feels safe and welcome. Past, present, or future, there is no place for racism, inequality, and injustice in Twins territory. Your thoughts? A lot of thoughts. One is, wow, but I'll come back with this. I'm not completely surprised, and I do believe that when when you go through uh, a change as we have in the past month or so, no matter how unfortunate the circumstances of that change are, it does cause people to wake up and realize things. I also think, and in fact, as soon as um, the press release was put out by the Twins, it looked like SI.com, Phil, put out a story pretty quickly about a guy by the name of uh, Mike Tucker, who lives in Minneapolis and has been pushing for this change, for that statue to come down for a long time. So this is this is clearly not just also this spur of the moment. The Twins woke up, someone complained, and they said, you know what? You're right. Um, there's going to be people, I think, who are going to say it's too much. There's going to be people who probably say it's not enough. But all of those things being said, Phil, I think with where we are right now, and there's certainly other discussions that can be had off of this, but with where things stand right now, this is an appropriate move. And I would be the last person to say, you know, slow down, don't do this, because Calvin's comments in Wasika about Carew, about the reason why he moved from Washington, D.C. to the Twin Cities were offensive. and But I think there's also other things in how Calvin thought that got us to where the Twins, with I'm sure lots of thoughts and and lots of people weighing in, landed where they did this morning when they hit send on that press release. Here are the comments, by the way, from the Star Tribune. This is from uh, a 2014 article that Howard Sinker wrote, just sort of, he, he found the quotes from 1978. Uh, Griffith interrupted himself. This was during a, uh, it was some sort of gathering. Lions Club. With Sika. Sorry. Lions yeah. Club with Sika. Yep. Yep. Lions Club. And, uh, and so Griffith interrupted himself, lowered his voice, and asked if there were any blacks around in the room. After he looked around the room and assured himself that his audience was white, Griffith resumed his answer. I'll tell you why we came to Minnesota, he said. It was when I found out you only had 15,000 blacks here. Black people don't go to ball games, but they'll fill up a wrestling ring and put up such a chant it'll scare you to death. It's unbelievable. We came here because you've got good, hardworking white people here. His comments have been recalled um, throughout the ban of the, uh, the uh, Donald Sterling, the Clippers owner, a few years ago. And the article goes on to say that Griffith went on to call Twins superstar and Hall of Famer Rod Carew a damn fool for agreeing to a three-year contract that, that paid him $170,000 a year. Quote, he only gets 170000 and we all know damn well he's worth a lot more than that. But that's what his agent asked for, so that's what he gets. Last year, I thought I was generous and gave him an extra one hundred grand, but this year, I'm not making any money, so he gets hundred seventy. That's it. He called him a damn fool. And there's... There's more where that came from. Rod Carew also came out with a statement today because Rod Carew uh, saw this for what it was in the 70s, did not think very highly of Calvin Griffith. And right. um, and his statement basically said, hey, he was he was okay with the statue going up in 2010, 
but but also says that Calvin Griffith was not a good human being in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and um, and the thing about that um, that banquet at which this all occurred in in a 78 Phil is that Calvin was under the impression from what I recall in reading about the banquet that there were no reporters obviously there. Okay. So he got, he drank too much, said this and Nick Coleman of the, uh, of the tribune, I believe had been invited by his father-in-law. And so Nick was there and got all these quotes but the point being is, I, I think it would be foolish to be, to say, well, Calvin just said this once. And once is too much. I completely get that. Correct. But I, if you just say, well, I mean, this was just, no, 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 no. This is this was clearly how he thought. And so, look, if if people are now saying, hey, you know what? It's not right. I'm not going to object. It, the twins did Correct. the right thing. And here, and here's the thing. So, you're, you're, a lot of the responses I've seen already, just, just, just reading the, like the at replies on the twins' tweet that they sent out today, and just even like reading my own at replies on Twitter as I tweeted out the quotes. This is going to get categorized by a lot of people as cancel culture, right? We're just out to get rid of statues and get rid of the history of the United States of America, and now cancel culture mm-hmm. and statue removal has made its way to Target Field, right? Right. Is this really necessary to do? And in a couple things I would say, all right, first off, really, like, there are no Twins fans under the age of 50 that really have any emotional attachment to Kelvin Griffith whatsoever. I mean, not to be, I was going to say not to be disrespectful, but, like, Kelvin Griffith was disrespectful to black people his whole life. So, really, I, I, I guess I don't care if this comes off as disrespectful. Our country has a dark history. And I think what we're finding out now with the last three to four weeks uh, sparking a ton of meaningful conversations. Right. And you start to look at some of the things that have been um, off on the radar for the last 100, 200, 300, 400 years. I mean, Christopher Columbus, let's go back to Christopher Columbus for a second, okay? We celebrate Christopher Columbus. We have statues of Christopher Columbus, which are now being defaced around the country the last couple of uh, weeks or so. Yep. Christopher Columbus was responsible for killing millions of Native Americans and other indigenous people in the Bahamas. And yet we tout him as having discovered the Americas. Well, no, like you were the first white dude to roll up in a boat in the Bahamas and to discover this new land. Like you, like there were people here before you. And it's like, yeah, we acknowledge that in history class, but we we mostly celebrate Christopher Columbus, right? Right. Jim Crow laws that for a hundred years prevented black people from accumulating wealth and voting and integrating into this white society that has been dominant for hundreds of years, right? And then the racist descendants of those white people from those eras that carried those beliefs of slavery and oppression and hatred. Right. Like, we're talking about these quotes from Calvin Griffith aren't that long ago, dude. Like, Judd was in fourth grade when he said this. 1978. And and again, I will say this. If you believe that this is the only time that Calvin thought this, you're being naive and foolish. Like, this is how he thought. Here's the thing with cancel culture that I would like to say, though. And I believe that we now have, and this opportunity has presented itself before in our history, it will again. And maybe this time we actually embrace the opportunity. I believe that what we're seeing, too, and I don't know why as human beings we are so desperate, and this is across the board, human beings are so desperate to do this. 
Why are we so desperate to celebrate people and not sim- and not simply and I am in no way or sh- or shape or form saying that mu- right. that museums and acknowledgement of history is not important, okay? Totally separate. Th- that is important. Calvin Griffith moved the twins here. No one's going to erase that, okay? There there is a twins museum and there is no way that we should take out or or redo History. It helps teach us. But explain this to me. Why are we so damn anxious to celebrate people? Like, it, like, is, it is amazing. Like, who that we celebrate, can you really go back and say, and, and I'm talking um, white, I'm talking black, I'm talking, in, I'm talking everybody. Who can you really go back through and say, you know what? That person really was damn near perfect. Like, what? what is our infatuation with statues to celebrate people? What, why do we need to do this? Why do we? It sets us up to fail. History, important. Let's preserve it. Let's remember it. Good and bad, too, by the way. And, and this whole, these last few weeks, Phil, how much have they taught us? And this is true of you, Declan, me, ton of people. How yeah. much has it taught us about how little we learned in school about significant events that our school decided to bypass? Let me ask you guys. All right, I'm gonna it's ridiculous. Uh, l- l- trust tree question here. All right, among us and in our audience, I've had Juneteenth on my phone calendar. My phone calendar inputs holidays and stuff. Like you pop it open and it'll tell you, you know, random holidays sure. that you've never heard of. So Juneteenth has been on my phone calendar for years. I had no idea what the significance of it was until like two weeks ago. Straight up. Yeah. Had no idea what Juneteenth was until like two weeks ago. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, I, and I feel I feel more comfortable admitting that now, I think, because we're in this we're in this point in time where I think you should be encouraged to say, listen, I, we didn't learn about this in school. We learned a lot about Christopher Columbus. Yep. We didn't know a lot about the fact that it took two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863 to actually go through with Union soldiers and pry the slaves free from Southern landowners in 1865. And that's what Juneteenth is. That's what we, quote-unquote, celebrate today. And it's very strategic that the twins put this release out on the day that they did. Strategic or meaningful, whatever word you want to use, Mm -hmm. uh, symbolic. But, you know, I I don't ever remember, outside of maybe a, a brief passing mention, diving into a deep history of the oppression of black people other than, all right, here's a history of slavery. Here's a history of uh, Brown versus the Board of Education, et cetera, et cetera. But why do we need to celebrate people so badly? It's a great question. We should we should think twice and three times before we put people on pedestals like we do. And it tends to be athletes. And I'll tell you what, like, I don't want to get too far into it, but there's another statue at Target Field of a beloved Minnesota twin that had some personal life things that are a little bit dark and get brushed under the rug. And maybe that becomes a thing at some point, too, with Kirby. Yeah, I don't know, but I just it it just it frustrates me to no end that we have this need we we get we get greatness and history confused and we mix them together and say let's build statues to these. Okay, I am all for if if you were to remove from every walk of life if it's perfect in sports. But let's say today we went through and said, "You know what? The word Hall of Fame is done. It's a museum." It's a museum of the history of the sport or the culture, whatever, okay? And this goes back to my Hall of Fame thing. The Hall of Fame thing's ridiculous. Let's not fixate on greatness. Let's fixate on what happened. 
And, and the Calvin thing or the, the uh, Jerry Richardson statue down in, in Charlotte, the guy who owned the Panthers and, you know, turned out to be a racist and misogynist and they had to take his statue down. All this this just desperate need to be like, we're going to put up a statue of. No, you don't need to do it. It's not necessary. And and you know what? More and more, if if God willing, we continue this is a question, if we continue to become as enlightened as we probably should be, which, by the way, right now we're not, but let's say the enlightenment continues and future generations are smarter. I hope they are. The need to deify people is really silly. It's really not necessary. The need to teach people about what other people did is necessary. Like, let's separate those things. And where I stand on this, because, again, like we're going to hear from and cancel culture is a thing. I think there you can point to a lot of examples that don't like if we get outside of the racism part of the conversation where we are pretty quick to just end someone's career or not give people second chances. And I think there is a discussion to be had about cancel culture. But when it comes to 400 years of racial oppression, I think it's time for all of us to shut up about cancel culture, especially us white people, and just listen for a second. Yep. And I have no problem removing symbolism that keeps racist ethos alive in this country. No problem with it. It's a good move by the twins, and it's a and it's a good symbolic date to announce this today. Agreed completely. Agreed. And but you will. But what you're saying is right. You are going to hear people who are just going to say, "Oh, now it's gone too far." Right. And mm-hmm. and that's the funny thing. How do how do um or how does the white po- population after oppression has been going on for hundreds of years how do we have the right to now draw that line like what gives us the right to say now you've gone too far like what the hell are we even talking about i know are we that insensitive uh, are we that uh, are we that unwilling to shut up and as you said listen like is that our problem that we just can't say you know what I might not even completely agree with this decision, but I'm going to shut up. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to listen to why you do. In fact, what's the backstory? What's you? Ha- you found the Star Tribune article that uh, the detailed the whistleblower essentially Mike on the Tucker, Calvin Griffith statue, and it's a, actually an SI.com story. And he has uh, been he's a huge Twins fan. He's been protesting Twins games for years because the statue makes him sick. Yeah. And, and he started a Facebook page, and there was, and I don't know if he started this, but there was definitely a, a change.org, uh, I believe, petition started as well. And I saw a tweet, I want to say two weeks ago, about this, just saying, is it time for the Griffith statue to come down? And so th- this has clearly been getting momentum in recent weeks. Um, but again, I would love to hear a guy like Tucker say, you know what, this made me uncomfortable for a long time, and here's exactly why. And instead of me or you or Dex saying, oh, no, 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 be like, oh, okay, because guess what? We're white. We go to Twins games. We walk past or walk past that statue how many times and didn't give it, in our minds, a second thought. Yeah, and I'm just like, I shouldn't be doing this. I'm just going through some of the at replies on uh, on the responses to this. And, like, one of the first ones I see, of course, is from a, a random white guy, of course. Now all the problems are solved. Shake my head. No one's claiming that this solves a bunch of problems. No. But, if it, but if it helps remove a brick in the racism ethos building, let's remove the brick. Period. 
I don't understand why people are so um, quick to get defensive when no one's accusing them. All, all people are saying is, you know what? There's an opportunity here to learn, right? Like, this is not, no, nobody is pointing at white guy right now and being like, you're the problem. What they are saying is, hold on a second here. And by the way, let's remind folks who who have forgotten within the past month, this reignited because a police officer kneeled on and killed a black man. Like, this is not somebody, somebody didn't just wake up. And by the way, if they had, that's fine too. But somebody didn't just wake up and and say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start petitions. A police officer killed a man. And recently in in Atlanta, more police officers killed another black man. Okay. And then we get offended. The white guy gets offended. Well, you can't do this to me. That statue. Bleep off. And I'm a white guy saying that. So, all right, if you want to hit us up, if you uh, if you disagree with everything we're saying right now and you think it's just cancel culture, you can always find us on Twitter at Phil Mackey, at Jay Zolgad. Uh, you, can, you can Instagram us as well, too. But let's get into the main event of the show on this Friday. Not to minimize the – I think this is probably a double main event show, just like the WrestleMania 8 that Declan and I reviewed, the <laughs> WrestleMania 9 this week. Perfect analogy, part yeah. of Mania Rewind. <laughs> it is Action Movie Rewind, and it's Roadhouse, baby. Roadhouse. Coming up shortly. But let's talk about Luther Brookdale Toyota here for just a brief moment. Luther is on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. It's a place my family and I have been going to for 30-plus years. And uh, it is actually officially summer, I think, like on Monday, early next week. Sometimes I get my dates. Does it matter at this point? Yeah, it's uh, outside of like two days of rain. It's been summer for like three months, it feels like. Uh, So what does that mean? It means some great deals right now. Summer deals kicking off the summer. At Luther, 0% interest for 60 months on all certified pre-owned Camrys and RAV4s. All hybrids now have 0% financing as well. Who doesn't love to save a little gas, save a little money with those hybrids? Uh, and Luther Brookdale Toyota can help you do both of those things. 694 in Brooklyn Boulevard or online at LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Dex? Yeah, quick thank you to DennisKirk.com for supporting Score North and Mackie and Judd. It's obviously crazy times right now, but one thing you can do is get out and ride. And the weather seems to be telling us it's time to get you and your motorcycle ready for this year's riding season. DennisKirk.com is a Minnesota-based worldwide retailer of parts, accessories, and apparel for avid bikers of all kinds. Whether you ride a Harley, Cruiser, sports bike, Dirt bike or any type of motorcycle, they have what you need. Plus, DennisKirk.com has extended their offer of 0% interest for up to 12 months through June 30th. Over 160,000 products in stock and ready to ship today. DennisKirk.com not only offers a huge in-stock selection, but also guaranteed best prices, fast same-day shipping, and a satisfaction guarantee. They truly are the best in the business. Order by 8 p.m. and get it tomorrow. $89 order ship free. DennisKirk.com. Order today. Get it tomorrow. All you have to do is follow three simple rules. One, never underestimate your opponent. Expect the unexpected. Two, take it outside. Never start anything inside the bar unless it's absolutely necessary. And three, be nice. Welcome to the party, pal. Action Movie Reviews with Mackie, John, and Rami. Get to the chopper! Yippee-ki-yay, mother... Judd, how hard was it for you to wait like 11 episodes of Action Movie Rewind for us to get to this movie? 
Uh, it was all about anticipation, so it wasn't hard because the anticipation <laughs> I I couldn't pick it too early because it's so fantastic. So it was the anticipatory um, actions that I had of eleven episodes, and coming off last week's show, I felt like we had to clean our palates a little bit. And Roadhouse, oh, man, okay. Roadhouse is the ultimate <laughs> cleansing of the action movie rewind palette. Well, uh, cleansing of the palate is one way to, to frame it. I would say just jumping right into one of the most glorious hour and 54-minute sessions. I think that would be another way to <laughs> characterize it. Any way you want to characterize so, it, man. So here's the summary. 1989, Roadhouse, Dalton, Patrick Swayze is a true gentleman with a degree in philosophy from New York University. He also has a flip side. He's the best bar bouncer in the business. And when Dalton's brought in to clean up the Double Deuce, a popular establishment that becomes particularly rowdy, Dalton's calm is put to the test by the town bully. 39% on Rotten Tomatoes. It actually bombed at the box office. Only $30 million on a $15 million budget, but then became kind of a cult favorite uh, in reruns and VHS. We'll start with Judd Zolgad, the man that chose this movie, your favorite part of Roadhouse. First of all, Dalton was a cooler, okay? Not just a bouncer. He was the cooler, <laughs> which is which is basically like the closer. The closer is not a relief pitcher. He's the closer. Uh, my favorite part, I mean, there's so many, so many things to choose from. Sam Elliott's fantastic. Um, Swayze's fantastic. Um, 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 the adversary Brad Wesley is great, but I'm going, I'm actually going to spoiler alert, pick the end because there's nothing better than when Brad Wesley gets shot. Not once, not twice, (laughs) not three times, but the town, but the town, you see something. I didn't see none. A bear fell on polar bear. But anyway, the, the magic of the fact that Brad Wesley is shot, I think no fewer than four times Often by shotguns. Yes. You know, so the one shot would leave you dead. probably dead. Okay. It would <laughs> certainly blow you back. But he keeps getting up. And and by the way, too, it's not like Brad Wesley's some chiseled Schwarzenegger, oh, my God, the bullets are deflecting off him character. He looks like I do, basically. So <laughs> of all the things, I absolutely love the fact that it takes like four kill shots on Brad Wesley. All right, it is theirs. Who's going to tell me what the hell happened here? I didn't see nothing. You see anything, Pete? No, I didn't see anything. You see anything with it? I didn't see anything. I didn't see nothing. Not a thing. Tigger? You see anything, Tigger? No. Polar bear fell on me. <laughs> and then it's lighthearted. <laughs> oh, oh, and by the way, may I tie th- this in with, by, by my scouting of, of this film, and I've seen it probably 12 times. I believe that when Brad Wesley is finally shot and killed, I believe that is the first time in the entire movie that you see the cops. It is. Yes, 100%. What? Like they never show up at anything. It's great. Well, no, but 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 that's because Brad Wesley yeah, has bought off the police department. I know. But... And so, of course, of course they're not going to show up. <laughs> he's, he's, he's just, just stay at the, stay oh, at the police it. department. All right. Love it. Declan, what was your favorite part of Roadhouse? Uh, easily the one-liners. And I have a lot of them written down. And thank God we're podcast only. And if this goes over the air, I'm making a mental note, production note, that I need to bleep some of these out. But these one-liners were absolutely gold. Starting with when... 
one of the gals is talking to one of the patrons at the bar earlier in the movie, and she goes, vodka rocks, wine. Yeah. Vodka rocks, nipples, nipples. <laughs> like, what the hell? <laughs> and then afterwards, when Swayze kind of initiates, hey, here's the rules, and he catches one of the coworkers, Steve, in the back, you know, doing the business with someone, and he goes, Steve, you're out of here. Well, he goes, I'm on my break. And Swayze goes, yeah, I'm on my break. What do you mean? <laughs> Stay on it. I, I love that line. Stay on it. Stay on your break. Oh, my God. So I would say the one-liners. But my question to you, Judd and Phil, why is this movie named Roadhouse? Is there any, like, re, like I feel like a name of a movie has to mean something. And I don't understand why the movie is called Roadhouse. I, you know what? Because it's a classic. It makes no sense. Well, like the bar is not called well, Roadhouse. Are, are, are they saying it's sort of that, like that type of a bar? Yeah, is and it's a better like a, name a than the Double Deuce. Like the Double Deuce would not do it for me nearly as much as Roadhouse does. Mm. I, I don't think it's ours to question this. Oh, I'm cinematic experience. I think it's ours to celebrate. I feel like the Double Deuce is also a weird name for a bar. It's like it's, the Double Deuce is like me after eating some spicy fajitas at Teresa's the night before or something. So, what's your favorite part, Mackie? Um, well, I'll tell you my favorite part in a second, but back to the, to the, to the double deuce type bars, I feel like they didn't do a deep enough dive into what the menu would be like at a place like that. I feel like that place would have some sneaky, good hot wings. Don't you guys think the menu is pain? That's the menu. <laughs> I can see that place pain at, is on the top and, of the menu and, and pain don't hurt. <laughs> no, no doc. It, it sounds like it would have a really good hot dog bar. Well, Mr. Dalton, you may add nine staples to your dossier of 31 broken bones. Two bullet wounds, nine puncture wounds, and four stainless steel screws. That's an estimate, of course. I'll give you a local. No, thank you. Do you enjoy pain? Pain don't hurt. Yeah, I love it. Do you want a local? She's going to give him a shot to numb the area before she puts nine Kelly staples. Kelly Lynch in from Golden skin. Valley. She's from Golden Valley. Oh, I didn't know a local that. tie wow. to Roadhouse. She's a Patrick Racy uh, neighbor. I think my favorite part of the movie, and this is probably the third time I have I have said this about uh, about the action movies that we review here. The opening scene, I just think the the, the <laughs> entire first twenty minutes, the first twenty minutes was action. It was character building. You knew exactly who the villain was. Well, I don't actually. Wesley might not have come in until after the first twenty minutes, but but you knew exactly what the landscape of the movie was within the first twenty minutes. It was very clear what all the characters were going to be. Uh, and so the opening scene, Dalton gets stabbed from behind and doesn't flinch. You guys remember that part? He's just, yeah. he's just he leaned up against the bar. Yeah. A guy comes up, and he's been waiting to get his hands on Dalton. And he stabs him in the back, and Dalton doesn't even flinch, just turns around straight-faced. He, but he's this is the thing. He's a master at de-escalation. Okay? I think it's something that we can all learn from in today's climate, a master of de-escalation. And there's, we're going to get to... There's a Wikipedia excerpt that we have to get to in regards to police de-escalation, but um, <laughs> I but but I, lo- I I love that he tricks these bad guys into taking it outside and then just leaves them outside instead of fighting them at the beginning, and then he walks into the dressing room of the club, stitches himself up, yep, and uh, and that's when Tillman, the owner of the Double Deuce, comes in because he's at this other this other club at the time, and he comes in. And at first you think that Tillman might be the bad guy because he's got a lot of bad guy mannerisms. Like he's the old white guy who's kind of slickster and looking at people sideways. And as it turns out, Tillman wasn't the bad guy. But I just love the entire first 15 to 20 minutes. Pointless bar fights. He leaves this bar, gives his car to a homeless guy on the street. Like 
everything about it. You knew exactly who Dalton was. So, all right, your least favorite part of the movie, Judd Zolgad. Was there oh, a least favorite wait, part? Oh, wait, wait, wait. Are you ask are you asking me to pick a part? Oh, man. It's one of our it's one of our categories. You know what? This is very tough because I love this film. But I guess I guess <laughs> I would say I like the relationship with Doc and the fact like most of it works. Um Except I don't. I didn't need as much of of her. If I could have had a little bit <laughs> really? less of Doc and a little bit more of his good friend Sam, I would have been ha- the Sam Elliott character. You could you could have put that guy in the entire film. It's a great. He's it's a He's great troubled. character though. And Doc, you know, Doc's fine. But I mean, like, okay, they have sex in in the room he rents, and then they go out on the. On the roof while while and then they Wesley do it again while watches, Brad Wesley watches while he watches because he sees everything. I could have used a little bit less of Doc, but it's very that's very, that's a very small small thing. Hey, real quick, have you guys have you guys have seen the new Star Is Born from a couple years ago? Yeah, no, yeah, no, with, with Lady Gaga. I've no. seen it. I've seen it. So, so Judd has. So Declan has. So now that Declan has seen Roadhouse with Sam Elliott and A Star Is Born also with Sam Elliott. I feel like A Star Is Born might have been a sequel to Roadhouse. I'm just going to throw that out. Whoa! There. Sam Elliott really? basically plays the same character. Does he really? Yes. The pace of of oh, yeah, movie in Roadhouse, boys, is fantastic. Like 154, and it moves all the time. Doc, I guess Doc could have gone a little bit, but it's a small grape. It's snappy. It's snappy. Uh, Declan, what was your least favorite part about Roadhouse? Uh, there is a few. Um... <laughs> Number one, the the love scene between Swayze and Doc is one of the most painful love scenes I've ever seen in a movie. Like Swayze does not look like he knows what he's doing. Uh, I, wow. I, I, I don't mean wait, to be. Wait, wait, wait. Whoa. Is this, is it, wait, whoa, wait, dude. Wait, is wait, are you challenging the man right now? I mean, he's, de- he's dead. He can't speak yes. for himself. I am one hundred percent challenging him. He does. He looks uncomfortable. <laughs> it doesn't look natural. She is like. She looks like she's not enjoying it. It was the most yeah, okay, painful. Ryan, okay, Ryan God. It was the most <laughs> painful love scene I have ever seen in a movie. Like bar none. Well, I was I was cringed. Okay. I was cringed. It's against rocks, man. Of course it's gonna hurt. Okay, Dex, what would you have recommended? If you could have if you if you could offer a couple of pieces of advice okay. for Dex Don Don Juan Doff here, what not, would you what would you have recommended? It's not that like the moves he was doing was wrong. It was his facial expression and her facial it looked like it was extremely forced. And not natural at all, and no one was enjoying themselves. It, I mean, it was very awful. Okay, yeah. Could I offer a theory in that one of the key themes throughout this movie is that everyone who meets Dalton says, you know, I thought you'd be bigger. Maybe wow. that applies to, Maybe wow. something there. to all parts of, of, of Dalton. The, same. the love scene, I could have used to... Declan's point, just one of them, though. I didn't need the rooftop one. I, I just did. I, I, if they would have I would have preferred action. Actions. I would have just done the rooftop one because that one looked normal than the other one. I, I would have preferred just the rooftop one. Okay. And, and Declan, what's your, what's I like your, how what's Declan's your breaking move, down Declan. the moves. But, what's, what's your, what's your you, main move? You know, maybe, maybe for a different podcast, Score North After Dark, I can gladly get into my favorite moves. Um, but I, I'm wildly uncomfortable. But, I'm really uncomfortable right now. <laughs> Um, top shelf, top shelf from the hockey guy. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. A- yeah at least top, it's not top shelf. Yeah, I was about to say something else. Top, but that well, we won't go there. Um, well, top, top's not where it really happens, Jack. I would say other least favorite parts was I. I think the pace of the movie was way too long, dude. And and I'll I'll be honest, the plot. I'm sorry, the plot's extremely messy. You think Wanted is messy? 
So it, this movie starts with Dalton, who is the cooler at, at this. I think he's in New York, right? It starts with him in, yep. in New York City. Yep. And he gets recruited to go to this hobunk town. And it's like, okay, he's trying to now set this bar, you know, straight and, and get it in line. And then all of a sudden, like, we abandon most stuff that's going on in the bar, and we realize, like, oh, it's this town and this crazy guy who's corrupt and right. controlling everything in the town. Yeah. And this guy, like, is blowing things up just because he can. And it's no longer him, Patrick Swayze, being the cooler. It's him being, like, this mercenary. I, I think it went all over the GD no, place. No, no, he, he he blew things up because people were not paying into the Brad Wesley Fund. That's Correct. why he did that. that okay. So the plot, the plot actually the plot. makes sense. The plot, so I, I, I agree. I think the, the plot is great, but they, there were some subtle things here and there that, like, if, if you didn't catch a line here or something. So basically, Brad Wesley is the slick, rich guy who basically has entire control over the commerce in this small town. Mm-hmm. So he's taken a cut from the main shop in town. He runs the alcohol distillery that keeps the bar in business, and he has the police force on his payroll. And so at any given point, like you saw that one scene, uh, actually another one of my favorite scenes is when is when Dalton gets the keys to the double deuce, not only <laughs> as the bouncer, but clearly as the manager of the double deuce. He's basically running the place, and he fires three people right out of the gate. Well, he fires two of them, and then he fires the bartender, Later on that night, because the bartender is skimming money out of the cash register. Brad's cousin, right? Yep. And so he finds out later that this bartender is now employed again because Brad Wesley is this guy's uncle or cousin or whatever the relationship is. And Brad Wesley has threatened, if you don't keep my relative employed at this bar, I will then cut off your alcohol supply. And so Brad Wesley has his hands and he just he owned the town. He's got entire control of all of the commerce because he's taken a cut from everyone, and uh, and he has the police on his payroll. And so that's how when 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 you wonder like, well, why did Dalton go from being a bouncer to like this renegade that's just out to save the town? It's because well, his bar basically got overtaken by Brad Wesley, and and they cut off the alcohol. And then you see that scene at the end where all the goons come in. And it's like the Boston Tea Party. They they just start like just destroying all the alcohol cases. That's so where that Sam shows up. Business. Yep. And it's like, all right, well, if, if if now now my job is in jeopardy if I don't do something, and I'm Dalton, and so he's going out to be to be the renegade. Does that make sense now? Yeah, it makes a little more sense. I I still think it, it's very bumpy. It's a very very bumpy plot. I don't and I like I said the the name of the movie. I don't get why it's called Roadhouse. It, it's it it. It's a little bit of a mess. It's I, a classic. I, I'll say that I definitely like enjoyed the one-liners, and there's some hilarious fight scenes. This isn't Rambo three bad. I'm just it. I was very confused watching a lot of this movie, and I think it could have been about 20 minutes shorter. You know what? Watch it again and again, and okay. then you'll get it. Okay, that's probably what I should do. <laughs> it's that. It's Your that big a classic. Watch it on loop. <laughs> that big a classic. Uh, my least favorite part, and I'll tell you, it, it actually. I don't have a lot of least favorite parts of this movie. I just saw this movie for the first time like two years ago, and this is, now the thir- this is now the third time that I've seen it. Really? Yeah. And so I'm I'm pretty new to this movie, and so this is this is the third time, and I now I see the whole playing field clearly. But the one thing that does stand out, all right, the over obnoxious objectification of women in this movie is way over the top. Like, do we really need nine different fake boob? stripper types that's how bad like, a guy brad wesley is we need to see that he's a terrible human all, being 
they're all hanging out with these low-life, scummy guys. Like that one scene <laughs> near the beginning of the movie. Dude, that scene where that that's gal a, is sitting at the name. table. Yep. And the guy the guy that's with her is like auctioning off. You can you can kiss her boobs for twenty dollars. And the guy comes over. I don't have twenty dollars. It's an uncomfortably long scene oh. where he's like groping this woman and you know, and and then he admits he doesn't have twenty dollars and then a big bar fight starts. Like the whole thing is just like the bar right, fight scenes like that. The bar fights are great because the amount of punches that you could basically see miss like there's guys that you could tell can fight, and then there's guys who I think they they just went out on an arbitrary Tuesday and were like, "Can you be in our film?" And the punches will just completely miss, and guys go <laughs> flying across the bar, breaking tables. It is fantastic. Uh, how do you guys feel about Dalton's three simple rules in life in general? Number one, never underestimate your opponent. Yep. Number two, take it outside. Never start anything inside the bar. And number three, be nice. It's nothing personal. It's just a job. Be nice. But if somebody calls you a blank sucker, supposed to be nice. So here's my guess yeah. on that. I you think to be nice. I'm going to give credit to, it's probably not Swayze. It's probably the people that wrote this film. I'm going to give them a lot of credit. I think somebody actually went and found a real cooler who was really good because those three rules are pretty damn good. Like they... Makes sense. And as you, you said, the uh, folks in NYC agreed to the point of uh, actually adapting them. But in fact, let's well, let's let's read that excerpt real quick, because uh, this was a few years ago after the death of Eric Garner. Mm-hmm. The New York. This is from Wikipedia. The New York City Police Department began using a scene from Roadhouse. That scene, the be nice scene as part of a mandatory three day retraining course for 22,000 officers expected to be nice under pressure. So my first thought there is it didn't work by right, the way. I, I, well, my, my first thought is like, all right, it's good. Like you're, you know, you're, you're retraining police officers yep. that, Hey, there's going to be trouble and it's your job to deescalate and be nice to people and don't take things personally and just go about your job as a robot. Right. But then the other, the other thing that I think is, wait a second, the most prominent police department in the country is watching a scene from Roadhouse to hey, retrain said, themselves. That's like, what I said. What? It's well written. <laughs> it's it's a great scene. He's exactly right. All right, everybody. We need to, we need police reform. Everyone's going to sit down and watch oh, by the, and Roadhouse. I also applaud this. <laughs> the inclusion of the Jeff Healy band as the house band at the Double Deuce is fantastic. If you the Jeff, Jeff, the Jeff Healy band, by the way, that the song, the like the the end credit song yep. is a great song. It's a he's it's a great it, song. He was great. If you yeah. if you were to take his music out of that film, I think it's still good. It's not nearly as good as as what it became. The inclusion to have a house band was great, and Healy off the charts good. Yes. All right. What are some other some other things that stood out to you guys in this movie? Some of your other favorite themes and things from this movie. Dex, I would. I was a little confused just on like the bad guy, the 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 main bad guy, and like I know you explained that people weren't paying up, but it, he he just didn't really fit the bill. He was definitely meant as like a, a malicious, horrible individual, and I'm excited to do our bad guy power rankings because I I do think he falls pretty high on the list, but it it just didn't really fit who the actor was it didn't it didn't feel natural that this like old guy who was just super rich was just blowing things up and killing people for basically s and gigs like i i couldn't really wrap my head around that 
I love how he flies in with his. From what I can yeah. tell, so he flies in with his helicopter at the beginning of the movie. From what I can tell, if you if you break down Brad Wesley's relationship with the town, so I don't know how he how he got his money to begin with, and maybe that was explained, but how he is continuing to fund his rich lifestyle in this random. Another thing too, like if you're going to be rich, if you're already rich, why would you move to a small town and just play bully? Like, why not just go live in a penthouse somewhere? Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe he didn't have I think money. He built he it up there, up. and maybe that's what happened. Yeah, because he's taken ten percent from the main uh, shop in town, and then obviously, like, he's holding it over the guy's head. And, like, if you don't pay up, then like you won't be able to call the cops because I've got the cops on my pay. Red shop my... blows up. Correct. Poor Red. Poor Red. Yeah. Swayze oh, Red runs. Got... Swayze runs Red got towards revenge. it. I love how he runs towards it in the whole place, like blows up tenfold. Well, let's do a deep dive into this, into the Brad Wesley uh, villain character here, because I think, I think, and we're going to get to our, our villain rankings here at the end. So let's save the rankings part of this. But I actually think I didn't know really who he was as an actor, but as a character, a great he's character, rich and he's rich and evil. Yep. I think he's murderous and evil as well. Oh yeah, and he's also like domestic violence evil too. Oh, terrible! He's <laughs> all kinds yes. of categories of evil. He checks a lot of e- like he's more evil for sure than uh, than what's his name from The Rock. Like the guy from The Rock, I don't think was doing terrible things to his wife at home. Like this dude, Brad Wesley, checked a lot of terrible villain boxes. Yes, yes, and and the thing that I loved about how the character is scripted is if he had done his own dirty work, I'd be like, ah, I don't think so, right? But he didn't. He he had his cronies, and in particular, bad guy Jimmy, who's great. Jimmy's a great bad, bad guy. Um, <laughs> so, so the thing that I liked about the Wesley character and what made sense is rich, really bad guy, right? But he doesn't do his own biting. He doesn't shoot people he doesn't he sends out his guys starting with tigger not really a great bad guy but jimmy is great you had the you had these back-to-back scenes that just encapsulated how terrible of a human being brad wesley was so so first he sends his cronies over to to retake over the bar right and and they get their asses kicked by dalton so they come back and he's admonishing these guys for not getting the job done. Yes. And he and he beats the hell out of one of his cronies and calls him a bleeder. You bleed too yeah. much. You're weak. You have no endurance for pain. Tigger, I believe and you. Then, <laughs> and, then, and then Dalton comes over to his house at one point. So they go inside, and they walk into this massive house with multiple pool tables. The upbeat 80s dance music is blaring. <laughs> And 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 Brad Wesley's wife has bruises and marks all over her face and her body, and she turns away like in shame. And then they cut to Brad Wesley, who just yells into the other room to his wife, "Turn that garbage off!" or whatever it is, and and got he makes no fun soul. of the music. Yeah, it's got, it's no, got soul. no soul, right? <laughs> and then and that kind of ties back into that scene where he's just carelessly weaving back and forth on that county road and almost runs head on, you know, head on collision with Dalton. And he's playing that uh, that Shubop song, like Shudum, Shudum. Yeah, great yeah, song da, da, by the da, way. Da, 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 shudum, shudum. Love that like song. Like the fifties. He's this. He's like this old school nineteen fifties terrible domestic abuser, and like that that section of the movie just laid out how terrible Brad. But is Jimmy was. not a great bad guy? Jimmy is fantastic, and and in <laughs> in fact, when 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 Dalton fi- finally does in the duel tear out Jimmy's throat. Oh. With the Dalton move. And by the way, when, when he's standing over 
Wesley at the, the end, and before he decides to not kill him, and of course Brad's going to pick up his gun and shoot Dalton until the town comes around to defend Dalton, but he's got the claw move, and the claw move is clearly the rip your throat out move. But yeah. oh, but yeah. but then but then what I love about the fight with with uh, J- Jimmy at the end was when he conveniently sends him across the pond and just yells Wesley. And Jimmy's body is floating perfectly towards Brad Wesley's house. And what a what a great theatrical Cinematic what a great theatrical experience for all of us. Yes, yes. Uh, anyway, since we're talking about since we're talking about the cronies here, I think this is a good time to mention that the original bouncer at Double Deuce, the one that got he was the first one to be fired yep. uh, by uh, by Dalton. So in in real life, well, in re, in real life, it, 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 that's Terry Funk from oh. the Funk family of professional wrestlers. So Terry <laughs> Funk is one of the greatest hardcore wrestlers of all time. He so he he had a little run in WWF there too in the late nineties as Chainsaw Charlie in the Attitude Era. It was him and Mankind, but but Dude. Terry Funk wrestled in the seventies, the eighties, the nineties, in the territory days, and then eventually wrestled in Japan and also for ECW and his shtick became the king of hardcore and death matches where yeah. they would like legitimate you can look up terry if, if you're not familiar look up terry funk hardcore matches or terry funk death matches this guy would go to japan and other countries and then eventually sometimes in the united states and he would wrestle in matches where they would replace the ring ropes with barbed wire they would put little like little like pallets with nails on them and thumbtacks and explosives <laughs> And these guys would just be bloody disasters after these matches. And 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 uh, Mick Foley or Mankind is one of the more I think most people probably if they saw Mick Foley they would know who he is or were familiar with him in the late nineties. So him and Terry Funk used to go all over the world and fight in these crazy matches in like the early to mid nineties. And that's how Mick Foley lost part of an ear wrestling in one of these Japanese death matches. <laughs> And so the, I didn't really realize that Terry Funk also was an actor apparently, but yeah. this is a perfect that's role loosely. for him. <laughs> you don't and, have the uh, temperament and he was great great in this he, he was perfectly cast for this yeah. character just a big dumb aggressive <laughs> oaf that winds up getting his in the end <laughs> that's good i so, did not realize that yeah so all right what else what else from this movie uh the the monster truck on yeah. wheels <laughs> is one of my favorite throwbacks to to the late 80s and 90s and I don't know if you you see the, those now much, but they were a big deal at the time. And man, it's fun to watch a car that's that far off the ground. That is the ultimate in the white trash era to me. And that was a legitimate like competition monster truck. That yes. was uh, I forget it wasn't Gravedigger, but it was one of the it was one of the other ones. Like sure. it was one of the mo- the more popular monster trucks of that era, and uh, and, and made a cameo in the movie. I would also say that the um, the the amount of women who are into Dalton is is pretty impressive. Like you had yeah. the doctor, you had pretty much like every blonde gal at the bar was walking up and taking their shot at Dalton. Real blonde, fake blonde, like mostly ignored all of them. Would mm-hmm. you guys have been able if you were Dalton? Would you have been able to have the willpower that Dalton had? 
just casting aside these gorgeous blonde women on a nightly basis. Well, I mean, I already made my point of how horrible Swayze was in that love scene. So, I mean, if I'm, if I'm going to give the pointers, <laughs> then yes, I, I would have the weaknesses. I don't think I'd, I'd be that strong. Of all the things to pick on poor dead Patrick Swayze for, his his um, his poor moves on the go, dock. Go back and rewatch that scene and tell me it's not painful. Well, he's throwing her up against like the, the brick in, in the fireplace. I'm sure it was painful. It could have it could have looked more natural. Is all I'm saying. It could have looked more enjoyable. We've all been there. Are you kidding me? Like that that looked awful. It looked awful. I think De- I think Declan has found his calling. Declan has found his calling as you know how you have these like cinematic fight coordinators. Like Bruce Lee became. Is a Declan going to be the love Dec- coordinator? A, lo- a love scene coordinator. Declan, you found your calling. Uh, yeah. Also, we also found when when Dalton when Dalton. Uh, rents this loft at Emmett's farmhouse when he's looking for a place to stay as he's moving into the town. So no phone, no TV, no air conditioning. It was basically like Rocky four. He's just going to like, you know, some wooded cabin with no technology. We find out two things about Dalton during this scene. One, he does shirtless Tai Chi by the pond when he's just out doing like meditative Tai Chi and he sleeps naked. We found out too. Found that to be. Yeah. So, so that, that one, Waitress just sort of arbitrarily shows up. Yeah. And he gets out of bed and he's got no shorts on. And she just sort of ogles his butt. And that's sort of it. How did she know where That's what he asked. Lived? He asked that question. Yeah. How'd you find me? What did she say? Did she say? <laughs> She's I a little creepy. Don't think she did. Yeah, but anyway, like that was her one scene. Like she sang once, cheered at a fight outside of the double deuce at once. And saw Dalton's butt once, and that was sort of her whole thing. <laughs> it was very interesting. Uh, yeah, but and we found out she has an amazing singing voice too. She went yes. up and, and she sang a couple. Of yeah, that's what I'm band. saying. And she cheered at, at a fight outside. I I do think that among supporting characters that we have seen throughout our our review of these action films, I do think that Brad Garrett might be my favorite, though. Well, okay, so this is this is actually I'm glad you brought this up. This I love is what a coincidence. Character. A new category for action movie rewind. Who was your favorite character in this movie? Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. yeah, you know what? That's very fitting. That's very fitting. Is that your favorite character? <laughs> yeah, probably. It's a great character. He's a salty old I I actually um looked this up yesterday. I think in real life he was like 44 at the time or something he's not that old at the time hmm. but he looked like he was like going he on looks, 60 um, his hair is incredible yeah oh, well yeah. and what, he keeps what flow and he keeps telling you that by putting it back in a ponytail yeah i think i think that character has to be my favorite in this film it's tough yeah, mine, my, mine was terry tell me what i need you want to go go get out of here and leave me alone yeah you're right I ought to stop telling you what to do. Maybe I ought to kick your ass. <laughs> we don't want to do this. I'll tell you something else. You taught me as much as I ever taught you. I love you, Neil. Amazing. Who's your son? And then uh, probably Terry Funk. Just like the the just because I know his backstory and he's just this weird big ogre. But on <laughs> Sam Elliott, his death was I I I, I didn't. Ex- I, Usually you can kind of see these things coming. I don't know if I expected him to just be like dead on the bar with a knife and a note stuck in his torso. Yeah. That that kind of threw me a little bit. The it first was time tails, I saw this you movie. guys. It was tails. It was tails. It was tails. It was going to be yeah. Doc 
or uh, Garrett. One more note from Wikipedia. Actually, Declan, your favorite character in this movie yeah, I mean, before I, we wrap that up. Wade, Wade was by far the, the best character, and thank God he came in because I, I really needed him at that point because I, I thought the movie was dragging along, and I needed I needed wow. Sam Elliott to point it back up. But your comparison of, of pseudo prequel to Star is Born with those two, I I can now see it. I can 100% I gotta, see now that. Now i got to see now this. Now you got to see Star is Actually, I'm not a big fan of Star is Born, but, but it, I can see how that dynamic completely works. Yeah, he's the same character, literally yeah. the same character. Way fact, someone to probably told him, "Listen, we're Sorry. we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna cast you. We needed to play the same guy you played in Roadhouse." Okay, just uh, just just <laughs> now be grizzled. I, I have to see this for sure now. Yeah, I was never going to watch that film. I was never going to watch it. Never. Uh, also, from Wikipedia, on September 9th, two thousand fifteen, it was announced that Ronda Rousey would star in a remake of Roadhouse. We talked on October twelfth. Uh, let's see, on October twelfth, two thousand fifteen. It was announced that uh, Nick Cassavetes would direct the film and write it. However, plans for the movie fell through, and the movie was quietly canceled in 2016. That's a good probably thing. good. Ronda was- is horrible on the microphone in WWE, so I, I think that would go probably pretty horribly if that was a movie. Yeah, there I also is a a uh, sequel to this film. I found it on Wikipedia as well. That I know you're going to be shocked by this, but I believe it went straight to video. Yeah, that's probably about it. Right. Was um, and but but the only thing that it the only ground it broke off the original, Dalton's name was James, James Dalton. That okay. was Patrick Swayze's character, who who I guess in the sequel or in part two they said had been shot and killed. Doesn't even seem possible, does it? I can't believe you haven't seen the sequel. Yeah. You know what? <sighs> Sequels, man, they're so disappointing. It's like Slapshot 2. Never saw it, <laughs> won't ever see it. I, I don't I don't want my memory tainted by the greatness uh-huh. that was the original. It's fair enough. All right, definitive bad guy rankings. Here's what we have so far through 10 or looks like 11 episodes of Action Movie Rewind. Cyrus the Virus from Con Air is our number one bad guy so far. Ivan Drago from Rocky Four. Dennis Hopper from Speed. Angry terrorist Ivan from Air Force One, corrupt senator from Hard to Kill, Chong Lee from Bloodsport, Bennett from Commando, Bodhi from Point Break, General Hummel from The Rock, Sloan from Wanted, and the Russian military, the incompetent Russian military from Rambo 3. I'll start us off here and just say, I think the combination of of Brad Wesley being, he's a, he's a killer, he is a, he's an embezzler, he is a wife beater. Like he is every kind of terrible with no moral compass or conscience. I think I put him second behind Cyrus the virus and ahead of Ivan. Ivan Drago is more iconic. Yeah. That's the only thing. Like, but he's a he's top three for me in these bad guy rankings. Dex, yeah, you want to go next? Yeah, I would put him. I put him probably third. I probably I, I would. I, I know I haven't seen the other two, so I, I don't know if I can rank them. But at least in terms of the bad guys I've seen. I, I think he's got to be close to number one from the limited action movies that I've been able to be a part of here. He's pretty good. He's pretty horrible Judd, individual. I, so Dex has got him third. I, I'm I'm actually I'm probably going to put him slightly behind Ivan Drago just because Drago is more <laughs> iconic over time than Brad Wesley. But what do you think, oh, boys? I'm gonna I'm probably going to surprise you maybe a little bit here. I'm going to put him first, and here's why. Wow. Here's wow. why. Here's why. There is one. He's got a crew. I love the crew. Like, if he had killed people, I'd be like, he can't kill people. He's sort of a doughy, you know, old guy, right? 
but he's a terrible guy. He plays it perfectly. The, this guy's ability as a character actor is off the charts. Um, Cyrus the Virus, I love, and Malkovich is is just great. But I got to admit, I sort of liked him. Wesley, I hated, but I love the <laughs> fact that I hated him. Dra- Drago was doing the job, man. Dra- Dra- you know, I mean, they told him they pumped him full of roids. They told him to kill. He killed. I'm going to put Brad Wesley first because I think everything about how that was written and how he executed being a bad guy. And Phil, you're right. Not just a bad guy to to the town, not just a bad guy to Swayze, but a terrible human being with a crude, even to his own family, spying on people, ha- having sex. Brad Wesley's first in mind. That's true. Yeah, he's. Uh, I forgot that he was a peeping Tom as well. He knows everything going on. He was wa- like, and she's his niece, right? So he was like watching his niece. No, uh, no, no, no. The Red's niece. Red's niece. Wesley had a thing with her, and then she had left town, I think, and come back. And he was going to kill her. Yeah. But it just okay, it, does, it came up if, tails if, instead. If you are Dalton and you find out that the doctor had a thing with Brad Wesley, would that make you think twice about continuing a relationship with her? Uh, for me, no. It I, I, No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. You're good on I, that? I, 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 I'm honestly going to be good on it. Yeah, again, my doctor love here. Like, I, I, I'm not going to not be with someone because of their, completely because of their past. So, I know I'd give her a second chance. Dalton is an incredibly complex person, okay? And so trying to judge him in my shoes is very difficult because he is a man of so few words that I don't know where his heart really lies. So I'm not surprised See, this by is it. A, as someone who comes from, from like, family from small towns, like, a lot of us from small towns think that we're complicated, complex people and have all these problems. Just like, dumb and it's, quiet? It's just, yeah, You're just dumb and quiet? That's true. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, so, uh, I, let's, let's split the difference and put him second. Okay. I, Declan and I have him third. You've got him first. And Cyrus the Virus also, I would say, is just a more iconic name. It's a great villain name, Cyrus the Virus. I liked him. Uh, and that brings us to our 1 through 10 Steven Seagal scale. How many Seagulls would you give this movie on a 1 through 10 scale? To this point, our rankings of these action movies are Commando number 1, Hard to Kill number 2, Rocky 4 number 3, and Point Break number 4 with Speed occupying the number 5 spot. Phil, go ahead and start. It's a 10. Oh, wow. It's a 10. Straight up a 10. The, the, this movie, from front to back, has action. Mm-hmm. It has superstar actors. It has a terrible villain that you're hoping gets his comeuppance at the end. I love the storyline, and I think it holds up over time in terms of being equal parts corny and equal parts iconic and just a good movie it's a good like it's a good easy watch movie to me you can jump in at any time and you can and you can ride the wave so roadhouse is a 10 for me i would give this probably a five five and a half oh i i the one-liners save it i don't i don't like the plot i think it's way too long i would give it a five and a half it it, it it's it's an average movie for me maybe a judge right i have to continue to watch it and i'll appreciate it's all it a little all the more. time I'll, have to, I'll, I'll maybe have to rewatch it again, but I give it a five. Wow! All right, Judd. It's it's a twelve. I mean, yes, it's it, it's a freaking twelve. <laughs> Let's be the end of the film, man. Even's got the yuck when Tigger's great line. In fact, play that again, Dex. Play the Tigger line again. All right. Who's gonna tell me what the hell happened here? I didn't see nothing. You see anything, Kate? No, I didn't see anything. 
You see anything, Red? I see nothing. Not a thing. You see anything, Tinker? A polar bear fell on me. <laughs> I mean, his whole crew's dead, and Tinker's cutting off the one-liners. It's fantastic. It's a 12. Yeah, it's a, uh, well, well that that gives it, if, if we're going five and a half for Dex and a 10, and it, officially it's a 10 for yep. Judd as well yes. on a 1 to 10 scale, that puts Roadhouse in a tie with Hard to Kill for our second favorite action movie to this point behind Commando. So there it is, gentlemen. That's a wrap on uh, on this episode of Action Movie Rewind. I have the next pick. Yes, you do. All right. Are you guys ready for it? Yes, sir. Got my pen out. All right. I know that we have a mostly strict, not strict, but it's a it's red tape if you go beyond two hours running time for a movie. And this one's going to blow past two hours running time, and so you guys Ooh. will need to approve it. But it is that time of year. Oh, I know where he's going. Indi- Independence Day is our next action movie, boys. Okay. Two hour and 20 minute classic starring Will Smith, Bill Pullman, and Jeff Goldblum. An iconic 90s action movie. And uh, this is the right time of year to do Independence Day. So I'm hoping we can waive our, our two hour limit here, get into a two hour and 20 minute action movie blockbuster. I'm, I'm in. I love this movie. So I'm actually in. Okay. Cool. Can we, uh, are, are there, there parts. Where it does slow down, or does it go pretty quickly? Uh, Is the extra twenty minutes gonna gonna ruin your week? Yeah. <laughs> can fast forward. You can. It's up to you. You make the call. Believe me, with wanted, <laughs> I have to fast forward a couple times. <laughs> All right. So uh, Independence Day, All iconic, right. will be our movie for next week. We always Day. encourage you guys, listeners, to watch along so you so you can follow along every Friday as we do these. And we, uh, we, we're going to start saved by the bell rewind next week too. We're, we're adding another book. I already watched four from season two. Rewind bookshelf. Love it. Love it. Yeah. If you want to get a start, we're going to, we're going to do the first few episodes of the first Bayside season. Love the acid wash jeans from those days, man. Swayze. Great jeans too. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, let's, let's wrap with Royce here. All right. Patrick Royce. Well, Calvin Griffith statue is gone from Target Field, and uh, and the and the twins are citing the 1978 comments he made about why he moved to Minnesota because there were only 15,000 black people, and uh, he wants to be around hardworking white people, is what he said in Wasika in 1978. And so, what are your thoughts? You, I know you were around Calvin uh, Calvin a lot when you covered the twins in the 70s, so the floor is yours. Uh, well, they called me a couple of days ago and asked my opinion on this, so I kind of thought it was coming, and I said, well, I, I, beyond that, I, you know, beyond those 20 seconds in uh, Waseca, when he had some whiskey in him and thought he was being funny, uh, there wasn't really much, but I guess it's enough, uh, you know, plus it was a lousy statue anyway, they had it about four foot four, you know. I just said on Twitter, Kelly, Kelly looked like Bronco Nikursky. Uh Calvin looked like uh, Calvin looked like Mickey Rooney. For goodness' sakes, they uh, they didn't want him out there anyway. Uh, but this was an internal decision. It wasn't. Uh, it didn't. They, they got ahead of the curve on it. And uh, almost since the time the George Floyd incident took place, they've been talking about it. I know they. I know they communicated with Clark Griffith to tell him this is coming and uh, that might be coming. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I guess this is what we're, what we're doing now. And, uh, you know, all you got to do is produce those uh, 20 seconds of quotes and 
that's enough. And it, it's certainly hard to defend that. And I, but I, you know, I heard Galvin say in my time with him, and I had at least a thousand conversations with him, a five thousand goofy things. Every time I ever interviewed him or talked with him, I went away laughing. Generally, not because he wanted me to, just because he said something really odd. But in this case, uh, you know, he, you know, he said something that he probably shouldn't have gotten away with in 1978, and he didn't really. But I can tell you the difference in 42 years. Uh, the Star Tribune, Nick Coleman happened to be there. It was the Tribune, not the Star Tribune, the morning, Sunday morning Tribune. Nick Coleman uh, was his first father-in-law. Uh, was a member of that Lions Club, and he was down there. Uh, he was Nick was down there visiting, and the, the father-in-law said, "Hey, you want to go listen to Calvin?" And I don't think Calvin Nick had a notebook. I think he did it off the top of his head, but he, you know, he started trying to remember as best he could. But uh, I think it was on Thursday. They ran it on Sunday morning in the in the Sunday Tribune at the bottom of the page. It wasn't like over the top of the page. I was in Kansas City with the Twins, and before the game, Rodney and uh, uh, was like was getting this third-hand information and was upset about it. But he won his seventh batting title that day, and he was still outraged after the game because now they've heard more details about it. You know, no internet and no nobody had a paper, but uh, they were now having wives and girlfriends and everybody read the quotes to them and Rodney was irate after that game. And uh, you know, and it was uh, it was quite a week for the twins, I pointed that out. Uh, Lyman Bostock got murdered uh, eight days before that. So the wow. Sunday before the, the Sunday before at the last home game, we were all asking him about Lyman and uh, you know, and during that week and then Calvin things comes out and it was chaos at the end of that season i'll tell you that and rodney rodney issued a nine paragraph statement that uh, was uh, by far the most comfort that anyone could give the griffith family today i don't know if you guys seen it or not but i've uh, seen it or not but the uh, you know the re- you know he talks about the remarks in wasika and how it upset everybody but he never found calvin beyond that to be a racist and uh, gave calvin and he claims that the first guy he called when he got elected to the Hall of Fame in '91 uh, was Calvin. Hmm. And Cru- you know, Calvin Sorry is the guy who, uh, you know, Calvin is the guy who in 1967 uh, Rodney was coming out of a ball, and uh, Calvin wanted a second baseman to get a hit, and because he, he had all these defensive wits that couldn't hit, and he told Sam Mealy like with 10 days to go in camp or a week to go in camp this is your second baseman. And Sam Mealy called in the beat reporters to tell them, this isn't my decision. This is Calvin's. So, so, you know, Calvin, he was not a brilliant man by any means, but he was a pretty good baseball guy. He could tell a baseball player when he saw him. He just didn't want to pay him. That was his problem. (laughs) Right. And Carew was going to be gone after – after so he, that he, year, regardless, was, right? Or in 79, I think he, it was. Well, he had one year left on his contract. Yeah, they could have 79. For one year, but they knew they had no chance to ever sign him again. So they traded him, spent all winter. I mean, 
mean, it was it was much like the, uh, the Santana trade. It just went on all winter. We were reporting on it every day, but I it, I think the Angels were the only ones that uh, you know really were going after him, and that's kind of where he wanted to play. What did they get? They got Papa Jack, Bill Singer, Danny Goodwin, and I can't even remember who else it was. But they also traded Disco Danny to the Angels yes. that off season. Yep. So I think they ended up getting six former Angels or something, right? Uh, they Your guy, Disco Danny. Danny. Oh, yeah. They, yeah, he went out there, too, at the same time. Uh, which, of course, had Mott going, who would be the Angels manager two and a half years later. There's no way he would have traded for Disco Danny. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, he went out there, too. So. But Rodney uh, really was uh, kind to Calvin today, and that, that was kind of a comfort for the family. I talked to Clark, and uh, Clark said, uh, we're, we're delighted that Calvin uh, that he, that he, Calvin was there for 10 years, and we're sad to see him go. That's all he said. But he had been given a heads up, I think, and it wasn't, they didn't catch, they didn't blindside him on this. I think they've been talking to him for a couple of weeks. So. Yeah, what, should, what should our general policy be? In sports and in this country, on, sta- on on no, no no no, I want your thoughts on this on statues going forward. What should we do with statues going forward? Uh, well, you better never never make sure they got drunk at a Lions Club meeting and said insensitive stuff. I guess uh, racist stuff, not insensitive, full full blown racist. Uh, I I don't know. I you know maybe we're maybe we're building too damn many of them. Right. Yep. I know one thing. As Jason Derusha found out, you can't make fun of statues getting ripped down. He, uh, you know, after they tore down the Columbus statue, he he tweeted out, "Is Sid Hartman going to be next?" That stood up for about four minutes. I responded to it, and when I, by the time I filed my response to it, uh, it was gone. So. It was it was gone. So then I I got rid of my response too. But that lasted about four minutes. I just wrote a column. I'll be interested to see how they react to it because it wasn't, you know, it wasn't uh, apologizing to the world uh, for having known Calvin Griffith. So maybe that won't be good enough. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know what, J- Jason's t- tweet about Sid I found to be funny. Yes, but nobody finds anything to be funny anymore. I tweeted that thing out about, well, uh, uh, you know, one of them looks like Brock Nagurski, the other looks like uh, uh, Mickey Rooney. And somebody responded to me, are you suggesting Tom Kelly is racist? What? This is, what? The, moron, this is the morons we're dealing with. That, that's an instant blockage, you know. But uh, uh, there's, uh, there's very little humor in uh, certain uh, places about this thing. Anyway, I guess it's, you know, as I say, I don't think the statue honored Calvin that much anyway, and Clark's being calm about it. So uh, I guess, uh, you know, I, I can understand it, the way things are going. Twins might as well get ahead in the curve, uh, you know, because uh, I think we had a couple of uh, uh, things written locally and that, uh, you know, we should look at it and stuff like that. We're, we're, in, the, uh, we're in the statue tearing down business, so. That's fine. I guess I don't care. I don't care. Well, hopefully, hopefully by the end of the weekend, we can at least have something on the uh, 
on the positive front to talk about when it comes to baseball? Like what maybe a season? Anything we'll see. new today now or not? Not today that I've no. seen. That Manfred Slick, though, isn't he? he goes oh, God, yeah. He spends five hours with Clark and says, he comes out and says, we got a deal, we're ready to go. And then, and then the players say, wait a minute. So now it looks like yes. the, the players reneged on a deal. They've, yeah. they've tried to uh, be at the forefront of information. You know, they're, they're way ahead of Tony. And uh, as far as getting their story out there, as opposed to uh, back in the days when they were fighting Marvin Miller. Marvin never let the owners get the player to get the story out before he got the story out. But uh, Tony's a step slow on this whole deal, and now the players look worse than they ever have because there's uh, no deal here. And I don't know. If they, but why, why don't they actually say, next time they say, let us know by Sunday, why don't they say, this is it? If we don't know by Sunday, we're not playing. You, you, you got to call somebody's bluff here, don't you? Yeah, I think I think the deadline for a fifty-game season is like June twenty-eighth, mathematically, with the dates, and so like we're we're within ten days of the of of, of a deadline. If you want to even they're get a fifty-game season up, they're giving them sixty now, right? Aren't they giving them sixty? Yep, that's what they came up yeah, to. The the, the, the yeah. players should honestly take sixty or sixty-five and just go. Sixty-four my is my math. Sixty-four is forty percent of the season. Let's yeah. do 64. Yeah, 64. Let's go. Great. Come on. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. Pat, thanks for your uh, your insight. We'll talk to you on Tuesday next week. See you, Royce. All right. If I still have a job. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Patrick stop. Royce. Oh. I <laughs> have still, no idea. He was still talking. <laughs> yeah. He was, he was very, he he, very even-keeled about that. He'll have a job. He was very yeah, be. down the middle on that one. No, but his insight is it, it matters. I mean, Calvin Calvin said what he said, um, but but Royce covered Calvin more and longer than right. just about anybody in town, and so Pat has insight into Calvin as a human, and I think all of that context matters. It doesn't exonerate what he said. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't take the statue down. And by the way, like I made the mistake of scrolling through my at replies again, and like <laughs> like what is your like what I don't understand is what's so controversial about just being anti racist in two thousand twenty. Okay, let's let's for God's sake, well, people, be because, humans because it's history and we need. Should we talk politics? Yeah, God, oh my God, that's yeah, a problem sure. here. It's all politics. Sure, you get you guys talk politics. I'm going to go start day drinking here. On this it's show. all no, I'll be but, right over. But actually. I mean, this this comes down to one thing: political hot potato of how you feel, and if you are being treated fairly in your mind, and and here's the problem too: a lot of the country is into bleep you. What about me? That's all they care about. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we are very selfish, selfish by nature. But America, baby, and Independence Day. Independence Day next Friday for Action Movie Rewind. We appreciate if you have made it this far on our show today. It means you might like us, which it would help if you gave us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple or anywhere you're able to do so on podcasts. We'll see you next time. I'm Mackie and Judd.